You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Damn straight it is. This is the Bride Chiller Podcast. I'm Alicia, the founder of Bride Chiller and the host of this here show. This is part two of the things you've learned from attending other people's weddings. Part one was episode 295. This is episode 296. We're getting very close to the 300 episodes of this show. Rich reminded me, my lovely husband, the other day, we've just hit the three-year mark. I, I forgot, like I forget most significant dates in our lives. If you've listened to this show before, you'll remember that Rich and I routinely forget our wedding anniversary. And it's not because we don't love each other. It's not because we're not gaga over each other. It's just that we've got a lot of stuff going on and we really like each other every day. So I don't really think, I don't know, we're just not very smushy. We don't really get into all the, let's buy a gift for our 17th day anniversary of the date that you, I mean, fuck, who cares? So anyway, happy three years to the Bride Chiller podcast, formerly known as the Save the Date Wedding podcast. If you're listening to the back catalogue, you might hear me refer to the show as another name. It's the same thing. I'm the same person, but I've evolved in time. As I said, this is part two of the things you've learned from other people's weddings. I put a call out on the Bride Chiller Community Facebook page recently saying, hey, when you've been to other people's weddings in the past, whether it was before you got engaged or while you are engaged, what are some of the things that you noticed happening, occurring, going down when as a guest you said, "Mm, note to self, might not do that. Or, "Mm, note to self, that's freaking fantastic. Let's totally do that. Last episode, I covered things like uh, food, the importance of food at weddings, and sometimes people forgetting to feed their guests for hours and hours, which sucks. When you arrive at an event and you're like, oh, gee, I could go a snack. Oh, okay, you're going to make me stand around for two and a half hours? Oh, I've had three cocktails. I'm drunk. So it's important of timing things out. Also looking at rehearsal dinners. You know, they're sometimes on my fuck it bucket, but a lot of people like them. But looking at pacing yourself with the variety of food that you serve at such events. Also booze, as I just mentioned, when you don't want your guests to be messy and like making that sort of noise. 35 minutes into your wedding you don't you just it's just not it's not great I don't mind people getting a bit pissy and tizzy great but you don't want people literally slurring and falling all over the dance floor so distribution of booze is also quite important and how you choose to present food and alcohol together also the guest experience this whole thing this whole idea came from how we experience someone else's party and I get really a bit conflicted because some people are very passionate about going, the day is for your guests. You should be having a wonderful day for your guests. And then other people are going, the day is all about you. It should just be about you having a good time. And I actually think it's finding a very delicate balance in between presenting the party as you would enjoy it, but also going through exercises like we're doing right now and saying, what was it about that party that I really found memorable? What are the things that really irked me? And everyone has different levels of enjoyment. Everyone finds different things that they find not enjoyable. 
But it's good. I think this is a really fun exercise and also just to hear other people's perspectives because in the Bride Chiller community, we talk a lot about um, how we, you know, find enjoyment in things, especially when it comes to being original, as original as we can be, and also, uh, you know, not overwhelming ourselves with details that doesn't, that don't matter, that we don't give a shit about in the end. So, look, I've got a big list as I did last episode, so I'm not going to waste any more time. I haven't been wasting time, I've just been talking. That's what a podcast is, isn't it? Dummy. So, uh, should we kick it off? <laughs> oh, God. Started well today, guys. Radio, the first suggestion. Uh, Bride Chiller Ariel said, I've been to quite a few weddings, maybe 15 or 18. Shit. That's a lot. And I've been a bridesmaid in seven. Should be a documentary made about you, Ariel. Positive things that stand out are, one, the wedding where they passed out sorbet pops on the dance floor. We were all so hot and sweaty from dancing, and they were amazing. Sorbet pops. Yum. I want a sorbet pop right now. Two, the couple that had the dance instructor they learned their first dance with come and give a group dance lesson to everyone. That is a fun idea. If you think you're a fancy pants dancing, teach everyone else to be fancy pants. She says it was group dancing. Think lined up like electric slide. So no one without a date felt left out. Good. It was really fun and people who may not have danced otherwise participated. Yes. God, I love seeing unexpected dancing people getting up. You know, I always sort of say during our wedding, I remember looking over and seeing my dad and my stepmother dancing all night. They did not leave the dance floor to speak to any of our family. Maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. But I love my family so much. But they were dancing their asses off. And one of the most memorable nights, uh, moments of remembering them just dancing. Number three, every wedding that has had beautiful outdoor space to walk around in has been lovely. And there's somewhere to escape if you're feeling a little bit more introverted as a wedding guest. Good point. Sometimes, You make all of the activities in one room and there's nowhere quiet to go. If you want to have a chat, if you're breastfeeding perhaps, if you are trying to just have a quiet moment with your loved one, if you want to go and argue somewhere, that's a possibility. If you are just wanting to go and make a phone call, if you're a smoker, stop smoking. But if you're a smoker, you want to go outside, sometimes it's hard to escape the party and just have a little quiet quiet moment. So I agree, you should have somewhere that people can go and have a little sit down, especially nanas and people that want to have a gossip. Talk about all the people at the wedding. Bad stuff. Ariel says, here we go. One, deafening music. It's frustrating, painful, and disappointing. If you're trying to socialize at all and there's loud music, it's hard. I've been to a wedding where the band was so loud, I could hardly stand to be in the room. My cousin had a great idea about having friends in a band play a mini concert at their wedding, which would have been great, but they weren't prepared for such a small venue and almost blew the roof off, not to mention the older family members left immediately. Oh, oh boo. Coming from someone who's hosted lots of events, and when I say hosted, I mean I used to get paid a lot. Not a lot. I used to get paid a lot. I didn't mean like that. I used to get paid a lot, not a lot of money. Regularly, I would get paid. I used to host events. And one thing that they were always a good organizer would make us do sound checks and would know the space. And here's a tip. Perhaps Ariel's cousin's band 
hadn't obviously played this gig before. They weren't expecting it to be a small venue. But good bands, good entertainers and good event organisers and wedding planners will be able to look at a room and look at how much soft furnishing is in there, how shiny and hard the surfaces are when you've got... I don't actually have any hard surfaces in this room because it's a padded room. Uh, But when you've got something with shiny hard surfaces, concrete floors, the sound has nowhere to absorb. And if there aren't a lot of bodies in the room as well, it can get really noisy. So Ariel brings up a really good point about your sound when you are looking at your venue and your band. And an experienced band should be able to go into a venue and figure out how hardcore they're going to play. Not all bands are super experienced, but really professional bands and performers should be able to realize um, how the sound is playing in the room and tone it down, especially if people are leaving (laughs) and if they're causing people hearing damage. So as a person who is hiring an event space, a venue, and also working with a band, a question you could ask is about being adaptable to certain locations and also being able to make adjustments as the gig goes on if it is too loud. Another thing on Ariel's shit list, I'm going to call it, is making sure you have sense of how much food will be on the plate. My friends and I went to a friend's wedding and the main course came out and it was so tiny, so tiny, we couldn't believe it. Like three potatoes, the size of your thumb, a carrot and a small piece of chicken. I've never been hungry after a wedding before. Also, this was the same wedding where there was one bottle of water on every table for 12 people. No water in the glasses and no water was ever served. However, everyone was literally dying of thirst. <sighs> Sorry about that noise. We all had to keep going to the very frustrated bartender to get water for water refills. This is basic shit. The venue, I will just say, this is not for you to be having to think about, but also this is the venue's problem. They should be, you know, monitoring this stuff. Number three, the wedding where the photographer chewed gum obnoxiously during the whole ceremony and uh, every time he took a photo, a loud clicking noise could be heard. What the fuck? Um, It was very disruptive. It's like when nanas, not even nanas, aunties, people have got new cameras that have all the noises. You're like, turn the fucking sounds off. It's unnecessary. They're all fake. It's all because old cameras like proper cameras, used to make an actual noise when you'd take the photo because that was the mechanisms. They don't need those noises anymore. Dummies. Number four, a wedding I was in had large flower arrangements lining the aisle and they were knocked over repeatedly as everyone sat sat down. (laughs) Okay, well, that's basic stuff as well. If a planner or a coordinator was in the space, someone should be there maybe moving the plants or thinking about how people would coordinate themselves in and out of uh, seating without trashing the joint. Good points, Ariel. Thank you. You really kicked off this episode of things we've learned at weddings in a strong fashion, and I'm delighted. Bridechilla Lindsay says, I've been to a wedding every year for the past four years. Congrats. The first was for a friend and definitely the most fun. Her dress was $35 from Goodwill, so when it started to get muddy, it's a farm wedding, she didn't take care, and she just kept dancing. Woo! Their their attitude set the tone for the day, so all 200 people had an incredible time. The next wedding was a family friend, and they served lazy man lobsters and burgers. Lobsters are messy to eat in formal wear, and I would advise against it. Gosh, I hope they gave you a bib of some sort. 
Oh, that's tricky. Next up, my future mother-in-law got remarried. Okay, great wedding. They only did appetizers and wine and beer. It was perfect. Gee, you don't hear that very often. That's a very nice little comment. They played a lot of show tunes because that's what they like. Play the music you like and your friends like. Lastly, my cousin's wedding. Definitely the most formal. Kind of felt like the whole time the people were all playing parts. It was tense until after dinner. Oh dear. Everything was beautiful, but I think a couple of deep breaths would have been very helpful. The theme to Bridechilla Lindsay's comments really stands out to me and her observations of these four weddings that she's experienced over the past four years. And that is... If you as hosts, and this doesn't just go for weddings, this goes for sort of any event that's being hosted, and it could be a dinner party up to a bloody, I don't know, huge work corporate event. But if the people that are hosting the event are having fun and look relaxed and are enjoying it themselves, it really gives the rest of the event's attendees and people that are involved with it a sense of ease and also giving them almost permission to enjoy it too. I don't know if you've been to a, a, an event or you know a gathering or something someone's having an argument and you can feel the vibes and you know I'm not into woo-woo but I do think the room it changes when you know if people aren't happy or if there's some sort of altercation happening or someone's frustrated or something's going down you can really sense that that's going on and it it spreads really quickly it's like in a stand-up gig when the whole idea that if someone's not having a good time it can infect the audience really quickly. It's a gross feeling and I've seen it happen and people turn very, very fast and it sucks if you're up on stage because you've got to work just as hard to try and get them back on again. The same with if someone's having a really good time and they've got a lovely, loud, genuine laugh and they're enjoying themselves, it sort of gives everyone else permission to let loose and enjoy themselves too. Now, I'm not saying if you're not having a good time, you haven't got to go, oh, I'm having a best It's the best time ever. You haven't got to be a lunatic. But if you are enjoying it, show it. And hopefully your guests will also sort of feed off that energy. And it is nothing to do with money or where it's happening. As we've said countless times and recalled so many great Bridechiller graduate stories of people saying, oh, the ship went down, but we had a great time. Things weren't going perfectly. Who cares? We picked it up and we had a laugh and we kept going. These are the moments that people remember and and also the authenticity of that sort of occasion really shines. So I just think it was a really good observation that even the friend that got married in the Goodwill dress and they trashed the gown and they had a good time because they didn't give a shit because it wasn't worth thousands of dollars. That to me emulates this sort of idea that, you know, you don't have to spend a bunch of money for people to go, shit, yes, that was great. Oh, being prepared. This is what this whole podcast's about. Be prepared, like the Girl Guides slogan. Uh, Bride Chiller Brenda has a really good uh, couple of points I want to share with you. She says, I actually have a list in the wedding binder titled Things Learned from A&T after being in a friend's wedding this summer. I'm suspecting A&T are her friends. <laughs> my main point, my main point, the oh shit kit. As a bridesmaid, I thought my supplies on hand would be extras, not realising that this was everyone else's first wedding. Uh, I kept a small wedding sewing kit, a hot glue gun, shit she's good, a phone charger, bra tape, nail polish, etc. That kit saves lives, <laughs> including pulling together a blown-out zipper, 
during pictures. You gotta have your 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 list of things to put in a handbag, someone put in a box. And if you have a wedding planner or coordinator, they will often, they should travel with a small OSHID kit like this uh, that Brenda has put together. In the Bride Chiller Field Guide, I've got a big list of things at the end of the book saying, here's, here's stuff that you can take to a venue and put in a box and hopefully you don't have to use it. And that's exactly what Brenda sort of said. Sewing kits, obviously, you know, great to mend any small things. Clear nail polish is a godsend for anything. You can use it to repair stockings or hosiery. Uh, you can use it to cover up. It can it can bind things together. It's pretty amazing. It's the coconut oil of the cosmetics world. That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, if you Google coconut oil, it can be used 140 million ways. Well, that's what I think nail polish is as well. Clear nail polish. You can't go mending wedding dresses with coloured nail polish or it's going to look weird. Note to self. Brenda would also like me to mention to remember to feed your wedding party. Yes. Again, assuming everyone else has had a plan, I left my house at 8am with a bag of snacks for myself because we didn't have lunch in the schedule and dinner wasn't until 6pm. I turn up, no one, including the diabetic groom, had any food for themselves we now have a groomsman assigned to making sure everyone eats on the day. Oh, Brenda, for the love of God, you're a genius. You got your shit, oh shit kit. Oh, I can't even say it. The oh shit kit suggestion. Great. And reminder to everyone to feed your people. It's a really long day. And I'm not even including booze in the mix here of when things can get a little awry. It's just also feeding your body and making sure that you've got the energy to enjoy the rest of the day. This doesn't have to be expensive. This could literally be sending someone out to go and get sandwiches or chips or not like heavy, stodgy, hot chips, you know, I mean, crunchy chips, crisps, they'd say in England. In Australia, we just call them chips. We also call hot chips chips, whereas this is one of my favorite things. You know, in America, you'd say fries and chips as in crunchy, cold chips that you buy in a bag. But we just call them chips. And we know because culturally... We just understand which chips you're talking about. And if you don't, you just go hot chips or cold chips. Um, but people in, in Britain, God forbid you call a cold chip a chip, they say it's crisp and they won't. They, it will get them very angry. British listeners, I'm talking about you. Wow, that was a weird diversion. Anyway, feeding your bride's bridal party, it's really important just grab some snacks, make sure there is lots of uh, lots of items just to shove in your mouth as you're getting ready and also plenty of hydration. We go back to the idea, why would you not put water on a table? God, basic stuff, basic. There'll be more of your fantastic tips. Gosh, I've got quite a few more that I've never talked about before. How do you keep coming up with things? I'm 300, nearly 300 episodes in, three years in, and you're still surprising me with great ideas. There'll be more of things you've learned from other people's weddings. Episode 296 of this Ed podcast, Bride Chiller podcast, that is, after this short message. Things you've learned from other people's weddings. The next one, if you've listened to the show before, even just a couple of shows, and you've heard me talk about MCs, the hosts of weddings, you'll know how passionately I feel about this topic and how much the next next uh, comment from Bride Chiller Natalie is going to shit me to tears, as we would say. We as in Australians, you're shitting me to tears. 
Bride Chiller Natalie says, make sure your DJ knows your order of events. The last wedding I went to, the DJ hadn't checked in with the bride and groom ahead of time and didn't have names for announcements, didn't know when to announce cake cutting, and didn't, so we all missed it, and forgot to do the bouquet toss. Oh well. The bride turned to me at the end of the night and goes, I never threw my bouquet! And everyone was gone, so she couldn't do it anymore. If it's that important, it needs to be coordinated. Christ, well, firstly, what an amateur hour DJ for not even asking for this shit. And secondly, this is why it's great to have another responsible person perhaps do announcements and and be more a part of your wedding. It's a really easy thing to install someone as an MC and give someone a job. I'm really going to try and make this happen, Americans. Just bear with me here. If you ask someone you love and you know, it could be a college friend. It could be your Uncle Pete. Uh, Uncle Pete, I always say it like that. It could be someone that, you know, a friend of the family who's a really good talker and knows you. Instead of getting some stranger DJ to go, hey, welcome to everyone's event. My name's Steve. I'm the DJ. Welcome to, <clears throat> what's her name? John and Lisa's part, J- Jane, J- Jeremy and Louise's wedding. Oh, welcome. I've never met them before. Blah. I mean, that's impersonal. I go, what the fuck is everyone doing? Why are they not doing this? So in Australia and Britain and everywhere else, we ask our friends and family, someone to stand up there with a microphone. And we still have the DJ. They just do the DJing stuff. They do the music. And they host the wedding. And they can do a little bit of shtick at the top. They can say, hey, we know Jamie and Louise from blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm so happy they're here. Great. Let's keep the show on the road. I just think the DJ host, to me, is dead. Is that controversial? You might have an excellent DJ. And you might go, Alicia, you're wrong. But... I also feel like if you get people that care and you can also get people to sort of guide the night a little bit more, it should work. Also, that DJ should have fucking asked someone for an event list, a schedule. He sucks. Or she. I think it's he. Just in case you have somewhere to be, this episode's going to go long. I just want you to know that. I just looked at my list and I was like, crikey majikey. I've still got a lot to talk about and I'm enjoying it. I'm feeling free. Feeling easy. Bride Chiller Austin. She makes a good point. And I'm going to do another Australian story because I can feel it coming. She says, I attended a wedding that had no seating plan for the reception, and it seems like the extra time of making a plan is worth it. People crowded the door to the room to make sure they got a table with their family and friends. I lucked out hanging back and was one of the only tables sitting with strangers, so I got to meet new people. Oh, she sounds like a top girl, top lady, top woman. A second one was my brother and his bride did a Polaroid picture guest book and I was helping getting guests to take a picture as they entered. And it was hard. Not many of them actually wanted to do it, which was a real bummer. Okay, Austin, let's break this down. In Australia, there you go, said I was going to do it, we have a budget airline called Jetstar. A bit like EasyJet in the United Kingdom or any airline in America. And... They said, bugger it, we're not going to do seating numbers anymore. You all can just fight when you get on the plane. And I think that lasted about three weeks because there were literally brawls. People getting on and dicking around and not knowing where they wanted to sit and having fights because people are idiots. Fundamentally, people are idiots. And 
Although I find seeding plans to be incredibly annoying and can eat up half of your life, I also think that finding people a place to sit, taking that responsibility away from them, and that doesn't mean that you have to give them an actual seating place, just put them on a table and they can decide who they want to sit next to. But in situations where you literally have people crowding around a door, like they're standing outside Macy's on Black Friday, ridiculous, that it's stupid, people will go back to high school and, you know, elbow each other to get next to their friend. And it sometimes creates not the vibe we were talking about before, about everyone being at peace and having a nice time. It creates this sort of Black Friday shopping environment. And you don't want that for your wedding day. Also, the Polaroid thing, when you give people tasks to do at weddings, a lot of people don't want to do them. (laughs) They just want to sit and drink and talk and dance and eat. And that's why sometimes photo booths, if they're not near the main event or activities like games or bits and pieces, if they're outside or away from things, a lot of the times no one ever thinks to look at them or use them because they want to be with the crowd. They want to be in the party. So if you are going to ask to do activities, even though you were on the door asking people, can we do this Polaroid thing? People are like, meh, whatever. I mean, that's rude. But maybe you don't. less is more when it comes to this stuff, but also giving them less steps to have to do to get this that thing done is a good piece of advice. That sucks that people didn't want their photo taken. I mean, that's really, they haven't got much to do at a wedding. Okay. Was that too loud? Okay. Okay, let's talk about favours. I fucking hate favours. They go in the fuck it bucket straight away. We've already talked about favours going in the fuck it bucket because they're a waste of money. But don't get don't get shirty with me if you're doing favours. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying favours and wedding cars are the two things that I chuck straight in the fuck it bucket if you want to save money, not stress, and not pollute the world. Wow, Alicia. Right, Chilla Kelsey. I was a stand-in amateur wedding planner for my friend's wedding. <laughs> I think that's what we can all be called. Bride chiller and amateur stand-in wedding planner. That's what we all are going to be today. She says it was a winter-themed wedding with her colours as red and white. Everyone kept ha- telling her she had to have guest favours or it would be tacky and unthoughtful. Oh, fuck, I hate... I fucking hate the word tacky. So trying to be creative and thoughtful, she thought it would be cute to make homemade coasters on tiles we found at a restore. I don't know what that is, but I trust that you do. One of the bridesmaids cut out red snowflakes to glue on. I glued little felt feet to the bottoms. (laughs) And the bride sealed it all off together for a grand total of 140 coasters. Do you know how many coasters she has now? Oh, God, I love this story so much. She took home 90 coasters from her wedding. She's done the little cry, crying emoji face, the laughy cry emoji face, my favourite. So ultimately, I guess I learned, one, the gift to the guest is that they are invited to the wedding. Thank fuck. In the first place. Two, guests don't like coasters as gifts. <laughs> oh, bless. I love craft. I'm sorry I've yelled a lot lately, guys. I'm really enjoying this episode. I love craft. I love giving back to the community. I just don't know if I need another piece of tat to take home. And that's what I think favours are. Oof. Let's let's continue on this theme, hey? I'm on a roll. Bridechiller Megan. I went to a wedding where the reception 
They had so much decorative crap on the table, it was getting in my food. <laughs> and we had no room to move. I wanted to just clear the table in one sweep. It was pissing me off so much. Oh, think about what's going on the tables. Less is more, people. Keep it simple, stupid. It's the kiss method. I love the kiss method so much. Bradshilla Wendy says, Wedding vendor here. Here is what I notice. Oh, I love you, Wendy, already. Favours. No one usually takes them unless it's food. Cake slash dessert. So much of it is wasted. Can't tell you how many times I've seen entire boxes of cake and cupcakes just thrown out. What a disgusting waste. That's me saying that, not her. Don't waste money on a big fancy wedding cake. Buy a small one to cut and get cupcakes or something other than that or smaller desserts that guests usually grab on their way out. I, I, I fail to see, and I go back to this idea that Rich and I had a three-tiered cake. Only one tier was real and the rest were uh, made of, what was it called? This, you know, foam. Foam. No one's here to answer me. I'm on my own. Just foam covered in icing made by the amazing Cake Ink. Can I just say, if you now go to Instagram, let me just look while I'm talking to you. Cake Ink. Cake underscore ink is run by Janelle and Simone, and they are two of the sassiest broads. And we were very lucky because now they've got like 260,000 Instagram followers. They're hot stuff. But we were very lucky. They made our, our beautiful cake. But they were the ones that said, you don't need all this cake. You've only got 60 people, 50 people coming to your wedding. Why don't we make two fake tears, make one tear that's nice, we'll ice it, and then you don't have to worry about it. No waste. Very clever. Progilla Samantha also makes the good point that the whole idea of favours, she says, I think I'm ditching favours. I cannot remember a single favour from any of the weddings I've gone to. I suspect at least half of the weddings I attended didn't even have favours and I didn't feel like there was anything missing. It's just not necessary to enhance the overall experience. Amen. Amen. Now, earlier we talked about the DJ when I went on to earlier as in a couple of minutes ago, when I went on my little rant about potentially getting someone else to work to host the event and part of being prepared is having a really good day of rundown for your vendors to follow and if you have a a wedding coordinator or a planner they will hopefully do that for you but also it's keeping your guest informed and making sure they know where to go and what's expected of them if there's a wet weather plan you can be able to communicate that to them if it means a change of venue or if they've got to do something differently. Give them information so they're not going to fuss. And you've got to remember, people can be stupid. People can be idiots, even people we love. I can be stupid. I can be an idiot all the time and not come prepared with the information. So if you are using a wedding website, Bride Chiller Kate says, make sure you keep your info on your website up to date. It's okay to have something missing, but, she says very wisely, if you were going to put something in about transport at the time guests are booking their rooms, make sure it's correct. And if not, notify your guests before they show up at your wedding. (laughs) This seems really obvious, but also, if things change and you don't tell people, they're not psychics. And if they are, maybe they're not tuned in to transport, the transport wavelength. Who knows? Bridechilla Wendy alcohol and open bar. Now, I did talk a little bit about booze last episode, but I've got a couple more points that I think are worth sort of recognizing. Wendy 
is a bride chiller and she's a wedding bartender. She says people really appreciate an open bar, even if it's limited to a certain amount or time, or just beer and wine. That being said, there will be people who take advantage of it. It's a good point, Wendy. There will always be one booze hound. And look, salive, hey? We can't cater to everyone, you know, if they're going to go hardcore, bully for them. But there will always be some that won't go very hard. So I suppose that's a that's a bit of a, you know, balance you've got to be found. I love hearing from wedding vendors, actually. Wendy, I'm glad you made this sort of comment because you would be going to a lot of weddings and seeing a lot of things. So this is a perfect exercise for you and for just seeing what you do, you want or you don't want at your wedding. She says, first dance, music. Try to venture out from the wedding songs of the year. Bride and groom drinking. It's okay, it's okay to have fun and let loose, but try and keep it together. It's not fun when you have to cut off grooms because he, oh Jesus, here we go. It is not fun. I'm going to put my serious voice on. When you have to cut off a groom because he's dirty dancing with the woman other than his bride. Ew. Nor is it good to see a bride slumped over and needing to be escorted out because she doesn't feel good. Mm. Can we just put doesn't feel good in little uh, air quotes? She might have had one too many. Eat. Make sure you take the time to eat, as we said before, during this is, and we were talking about before the service and before the events, but she's also saying, actually remember to eat a meal because uh, that will also impede your, will cause you strife if you've had a couple of drinks or you're just tired. The body does strange things where you're not feeling energized because you haven't eaten. Wedding locations, make sure you pay attention to the nitty gritty details One of the event centres I work at has a party over by 10pm rule and all decorations down by 11pm. It can be a total bummer. Oh, that's annoying. So when it comes to those sort of events, you need someone around to bump out, as we would be calling it in the theatre. As in the the entertainment industry, you've got to bump out, which is the boring way, what's a fun way to say a very boring task of pack up, get out. And you never want to be around for bumping out because it means you've got to carry things and do a lot of extra work that I would rather avoid doing. So good point that is made there from Bride Chiller Wendy. If you do have to bump out, who is doing all of that work and who is sticking around to make sure it's done properly? Again, staff, if you hire a place, it's an all-inclusive venue, they'll bump out. They'll You just leave. You just take your shit and go. If it's a private venue, you're going to need someone to help you get that done and it possibly might not be you you might want to go home and have sex or go to sleep or both or neither no judgment talking about seating and the venue and how it looks and what's considered to be attached to the venue what you got to hire Brachina 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 Natalie says the worst thing I experienced this year was at a wedding that didn't have enough seats for everyone what What? It was awful. Capital awful. If you don't rush to the three open tables and grab a spot, you are out of luck for the entire night. So they just didn't get enough chairs. Fuck. Girls started taking off their heels to dance, but the venue made them put them back on because glasses kept being dropped on the floor. I think we've all been to a party like that. I have. Really don't go. I'm not a long-term heel wearer. I'm a couple of hours and then I'm out. And often I'll slip them off 
and I've been caught after a couple of wines at venues that I like, put your shoes back on. Natalie says, I saw a ton of girls just sitting against the walls on the floor in their nice dresses because they had nowhere else to go. It was terrible. Everyone I talked to complained about how badly their feet hurt. Crikeys. Look, seating, basic shit. And even if you're having a cocktail reception, and this is a question that comes up quite a lot about seating arrangements and cocktail receptions, or you want it to feel a bit more casual so you don't have the big fancy meal and everyone sits down and you've got a seating plan, you've still got to provide somewhere for people to sit because nobody wants to stand for six hours. Nobody. I don't care how casual and how, you know, lax you want this thing to feel. If there's nowhere to sit and rest in between numbers, in between drinking, in between dancing, it can sort of suck. And I think we all just pictured, hopefully, with Bridechill and Natalie saying, women in their lovely dresses slumped against walls like drunkards, even if they weren't drunkards, because there was nowhere to go. Sounds pretty sad and not what any of us would imagine our wedding day and our guests to experience on a wedding day to go, oh, quick, just do a little squat somewhere in your cocktail dress because there's nowhere to go. Very strange. Very strange. Also, if you are providing food, Um, And someone did write in recently talking about a wedding they went to where they were doing a sort of casual meal, which is great, almost like an hors d'oeuvresy meal, which people would come around, but there was nowhere to lean or put a plate down. And so they were trying to balance, again, lack of seating, a wine glass, a plate, cutlery, but nowhere to lean against or to sit your plate down or figure out you know how to eat a meal standing up can be really difficult so although it sounds cool and it can be a little cheaper and uh, casual think about the comfort of your guests and not having to have everyone doing a casual squat in formal attire no one really wants that but do remember if you are heading to a wedding where you think there might be lacking uh, some sort of seating arrangements make sure you wear underwear because casual squats minus underwear well it equals a show doesn't it I sound like an old lad. That equals a show. These young ladies not wearing underwear. What an old biddy. Thank you so much to everyone who contributed to the last two episodes of the Bride Chiller podcast. Things you've learned from other people's weddings. I've learned a lot. And I love that you have all taken this in your stride and you've said, look, there are definitely things that I love. There are things that I don't love. There are things that I'm inspired by, but I'm going to tweak. And there are things that I'm just going to chuck in the bin, the fucker bucket. Speaking of the fucker bucket, there will be an updated episode two of that uh, later in the year towards our 300th episode. If you have anything that you are chucking in the fucker bucket, tag me in the Bride Chiller community, which is just the Bride Chiller community in Facebook if you've yet to join. And uh, I will add it to my fucker bucket list because it's getting longer. You'd think that I'd covered it all. And even these episodes were a little fucker buckety. So look, there's still more things we can chuck out of wedding planning. Very excited in the next couple of months to start teasing the Bride Chiller Survival Guide and the Bride Chiller Field Guide. They will be, oh my gosh, saying this now, on sale in the new year. We'll be doing a pre-sale situation coming up. So get ready. We're also doing a limited edition tote bag pack with the Field Guide, which is our planner, and the Survival Guide, which is the full wedding planning book that I've been writing for 55 million years. And also, I've been recording the audio book. So if you'd prefer to take your book on tape, 
then that will be available via Audible also. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine what life will be like for me and for my husband, Rich, who has been toiling. Oh my Christ. What life will be like after these books have done. It's like when you imagine what life will be like after your wedding. Will it go back to normal? Will it be a brave new world? Let's learn together. Gee whiz, I am grateful, so grateful for this community and your time and enthusiasm for supporting the Bride Chiller podcast. If you know someone that you think might be helped by listening to this show, then I just encourage you to spread the word. I've seen lots of people sending lovely Instagram messages, tagging their friends in, saying, you should listen to this. She swears. Um, No one speaks like that, by the way. You're all very eloquent and elegant. But also just saying, if you notice a friend who might be struggling with wedding planning, send them my way and hopefully they can join the community, regain some chill and actually enjoy the process. If you have a question, a comment, a thought or a suggestion about a future topic for the Bride Chiller podcast or perhaps a guest that you've heard or seen somewhere else that you think would be great for the show, I'd love to hear from you. Visit thebridechiller.com. That's where you can get all the information and get involved. Until next week's episode of the Bride Chiller podcast, a beauty, might I add, lovely Tracy. She's a bride chiller. And a mental health specialist is coming on to talk all about mindfulness, how we can look after ourselves. We're talking about self-care. And I think everyone, no matter how great you are feeling or shit you are feeling, well, we're going to fix that. We're going to talk a lot about how we can look after ourselves. And sometimes when we get stressed, we don't even realize we're stressed. And we focus a lot of attention on other things when we really should just be taking a moment to be better to ourselves. So until then, do look after yourself, listen to the back catalogue, write me messages. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.